So welcome to Behind the Goals. Um, I've lost count of what episode we're on now. Episode eight. Episode eight. Seven. Six. Seven. One of those. One of those. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to Behind the Goals. Um, uh, what have you been up to since we last spoke, Andrew? Uh, I've been. I've been away. I've been on holiday. I've been yep. resting my feet for a couple of weeks. And, resting uh, your feet. Suffering from a bout of jet lag just now. Okay, but, uh, you're on the other side of the Atlantic. That's right, but I wanted to make the commitment to get episode six, seven, eight out. <laughs> yeah. Well, admire your your commitment. Uh, you know, fresh off a fresh off a off a plane. So, what else is new? Um, well, in Scottish football, quite a lot. We've we've had this week. We've had the uh, OBA repeal. So James Kelly has got that past stage one, which is interesting. That's something that we've watched closely. I know there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes on that for years and years, um, particularly um, by a group called Fans Against Criminalisation, who have felt passionately about this being an unfair piece of legislation that yeah. targets football fans unfairly, which is something that we as a, an organisation have spoken about. We we gave some evidence to the Justice Committee and we've done quite a lot of research and tons of consultations. So, you know, ultimately the majority of supporters that we've spoken to um, feel passionately that, mm. that, that the bill should be repealed. So obviously yesterday's news was, uh, or Thursday's news rather, was um, was, was well, uh, warmly received. Yeah. That's good. And that's just stage one. Uh, that's stage one. So there's still some work to go, but the fact that they've got that past stage one is obviously positive. And yeah. um, there's there's all sorts of other things that is obviously an incredibly complex issue. And um, we probably couldn't talk about it in the five minutes before <laughs> this week's uh, podcast. Yeah. But we will have a, a full on podcast where we yeah, go we'll de- dedicate a full episode to, to that. Uh, and also the the Colt team pro- Colt team proposals, um, you know that's that's been in the news this week. Again, something that we should probably uh, devote an episode to rather than a, a, a few minutes chat. But what's your take on that so far, Andrew? Um, um, as an organisation, I think uh, all pretty much all of our policy is dictated by what you know our research from supporters, and 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 then we have uh, well, we will have more working groups set up in place to to refine the information we get back through consultations and surveys and 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 data that we receive, particularly through the 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 annual supporters survey we do in association with the SFA and SPFL. But from the work we have done on it, I think it's very fair to say fans are very much against this um and we did a a, quite a a big piece of research last year um with a guy called colin patterson um looking into this idea of cult teams and whether fans would be receptive to the idea of it very much no um i think there was about 75 percent of fans were against the idea of having cult teams and that since since that news has come out i think that has been reaffirmed by a lot of the stuff i've seen on social media often hard to get a gauge on social media but it can be an echo chamber but there's there's probably something there absolutely um and i think that that would be a a bad a bad move so again we will have another podcast looking in that at that you know i i understand the the reasons for why the spfl want to, to do it but um, I think it's fair to say that uh, our policy on it would be pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about you? What's what's happening on your side? Um, so I'm not going to talk about the football last weekend. <laughs> uh, we had a, a free hit, one of our games in hand, uh, down at Stranraer, and it didn't go the way we planned it to. Uh, so I'd rather look ahead. Um, on Saturday, well, tomorrow, tomorrow as we record this, but it'll be uh, a couple of days after we put this episode, a uh, couple of days before we put this episode out. Uh, we have our Burns Night. Uh, it's our fourth one that we've so done now. This is the, the Rafe Rovers yeah. Supporters Trust Burns Night. That's right. Fourth um, one. Fourth one. Uh, we've been we've been doing that. Uh, they've all been great nights uh, so far. Um, we're expecting another one. Um, 
we've got a, a reasonable crowd coming. Uh, the room's not full, but uh, it gives a little bit of space and it's easier to hear what's going on. Uh, we've got quite a few um, Burns and Burns-inspired performances lined up. Uh, won't give away too many, but we've adapted a couple of uh, Rabbi's uh, works uh, to fit a football context. Um, I did one last year. I did a Fans a Fan for all that uh, last year. Uh, which I've hastily uh, rewritten and bastardised. Um, we've got Ode to a Macaroni Pie uh, and a few others as well uh, tomorrow night. So that's going to be good fun. Well, uh, enjoy. I hope you, you raise a lot of money for the trust and the work that you're doing there. Yeah. Um, Shall we head into this week's episode? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, this week we've got uh, Chris Sampson on the podcast. Sam, uh, sorry, not Sam. Chris set up a, a blog called Sports Marketing Scotland back in 2015. Uh, he works in digital media and graduated from the University of Stirling in, uh, with a degree in sports marketing in 2011, which I have to say is a fine institution. Yeah. <laughs> Very fine institution. Um, he, he, the blog basically looks at the marketing of Scottish sport uh, and he goes into a lot of depth with um, with people working within the sector with the the aim of kind of sharing best practice collecting and creating the best of what's happening within the country um, and, and getting that out there and making sure that people can learn from those experiences as well um, I think it's a, a really interesting discussion and um, one that we enjoyed having yeah so, so on with the show let's dive into it yeah so we've been joined by Chris Sampson of uh, Sports Marketing Scotland welcome to the show Chris Hi, uh, good to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, firstly, could you perhaps just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. Um, so my name is Chris Sampson. Um, I run, well, it's basically a website, but uh, also a Twitter account, which is Sports Marketing Scotland. Um, that is kind of my, my side project. Um, in my day job, I work in the growth team, which is formerly marketing, um, at Skyscanner. Um doing kind of, kind of digital and, and paid um, marketing activities um, for a very, the, pre, the very prevalent uh, Scottish unicorn, um, as, as they're called sometimes in the media. So, um, yeah, that is, that's me. Scottish unicorn. I've not, yes. I've not, I've not heard them before. I've, uh... a, uni- a unicorn is a, a billion dollar company. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's um, that that leads in nicely to your article, actually, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can talk about that. Absolutely. So, um, so your article is why Scottish football clubs should ad- sort of adopt a, a growth mindset to, uh, or sorry, a, a startup approach really to um, their development. Yes, it's a bit. It's a bit of both. Um, kind of, of um, yeah, mixing a kind of startup mentality and, and the growth mindset as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a kind of big thing. And obviously coming at it from, from the day job side of things, it's, it's something that I'm close to on a, on a daily basis. Mm. Um, and then thinking about it in terms of Scottish football, Scottish sport, um, it, it's something that I think could be of, of benefit for for a lot of clubs if, if they do if they do want to adopt some of the the mentalities that that you can see across quite a lot of uh startups and and well it's it's quite a big community if you like mm. um the kind of growth mindset side of things as well so yeah so perhaps you could um Perhaps you could just explain to us a little bit about what thinking like a startup means. I mean, obviously, you're not suggesting that clubs sort of uh, cease to exist and uh, no, re- rebuild no. from scratch. But um, perhaps for, for some of us outside of the uh, the entrepreneurial world, you could explain a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So it, it's just thinking 
a little bit less traditionally, um, if you like. So um, obviously startups begin life as, as very small businesses um, and having to everybody kind of mucking in um, and and kind of working towards a, a common goal, um, which in my mind, and obviously I've been spoken to a lot of people working in, in Scottish football in particular and, and Scottish sport, a lot of the clubs, a lot of the organisations are small um, and, and, well, especially on the, on the marketing or business side of things. Um, and in my mind, it's, 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 it's an easy thing for them to, to be perhaps shift to this kind of uh, way of, of working, um, if you like. So there's a few things that I called out specifically um, in the piece that I'm, I'm sure we'll go through in a second as well, but it is just kind of challenging that, that way it's always been done culture, which I, I'm sure we yeah. anybody that's um, that's worked within Scottish sport, within Scottish football, or actually just followed it from the outside, it comes up a lot, um, that, that kind of phrase, um, if you like. Mm. Yeah, and as you said, I, I'm not suggesting that clubs rip apart their 100 plus year history and, and start again but um, it's just a different method of, of thinking about things, a different method of operating being a little bit more creative taking a step back as well and and thinking about who your who your customers are even um, in a, in a, well that is obviously more of a traditional um, marketing mindset but it's something that I think quite a lot um, doesn't happen Mm. Um, in, in Scottish sport and, and Scottish football in particular. One one thing I noticed, Chris, is that um, when people talk about startups, there always, almost seems to be an assumption that there's nothing at risk because they're brand new uh, organisations. You know, they're starting from scratch, so they can do whatever they want and create their own path. But when you talked about the uh, the unicorn idea, uh, so you know, even even though companies like Skyscanner are, are are still you know relatively young. There's lots at risk. I mean, there's there's a lot of value there that can be eroded by making the wrong decisions. So it's almost yeah, a defence against that 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 criticism of the startup approach that well, that's not going to work here because we've got hundred years of heritage. You know, at Skyscanner, it may may not have a hundred years of heritage and, and history, but it has got you know a billion dollar a billion dollar or billion pound or billion and whatever currency uh, value at stake there. Uh, but it's, so it's interesting that you can still have that startup mentality when you're no longer a, a pure startup and you're, you're successful and you've got, you've got some, some history and success to, to, uh, to protect. Yeah, of course. I mean, like you said, startups, are, are, are a lot of them fail. Um, if, you, if you look, uh, if you do a bit of research into it, and I think the, the vast majority of them do fail. Um, but like you said, within my day job we very successfully shifted from more of a traditional um marketing team setup into something that is akin to a startup methodology smaller teams all working towards a more of a common goal that's more specific to to certain things um it's yeah just that like challenging the kind of tra- traditional sense mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's something that definitely could be done um across a lot of functions and in, in scottish sport in particular mm, yeah 
What's your current sort of understanding of the landscape of, of Scottish football marketing? I mean, I remember hearing you speak a couple of years ago at the Scottish FA convention, which I think is where yes. we, we first met. And you we were did, talking yeah. a lot about uh, the marketing of Scottish football and, and perhaps what it could learn. And I think on the day there, we were also joined by the Brayhead clan. Yeah, uh, Andy. Andy, yeah. that's correct. So, um, commercial, I think he's commercial director. That's right. Yes. So, um, you and on, and on the day you were talking a lot about what Scottish football could learn from other sports as well. I mean, what is what, what's your opinion of the landscape just now? I mean, uh, Scottish football does have a, a fair amount of critics, but obviously there are people doing good stuff within the sector. Yeah, I think that's part partly one of the reasons why I wanted to to start focusing kind of my efforts on on the the landscape of Scottish sport and obviously being a massive football fan myself mainly speaking about Scottish football and obviously the national game so um, it's quite easy uh, to to focus on that a bit more but I I do like to to focus on other sports too and like you say there is a lot that Scottish football can learn from other sports Um, I wrote quite another interesting piece it was actually after meeting Andy um, and being on the panel at the Daniel convention in 2016 that um, I first went along to one of the Brayhead clan games um, and it was just it was eye-opening um, the kind of the contrast between what they do there um, in terms of entertaining fans in terms of putting on a spectacle um, in terms of the marketing and commercial aspect of it as well um, I, I, and in the in the piece, I, I did mention that perhaps it wouldn't be as accepted, um, which again comes back to that challenge in the way it's always been done culture of uh, why wouldn't you sponsor when it goes out for a corner, um, if you like, like they do in um, when it goes out of the uh, the rink uh, in an ice hockey match. That that is sponsored. Everything is sponsored, really? um, pretty much. So. Um, and it's the sponsor's name is, is very prevalent. It gets shouted over the tannoy um, on on well while the action's going on, um, which obviously doesn't happen in football that much either. When either either when as a substitute or when when the when the injury time gets announced is pretty much the only time uh, something gets announced over the tannoy during the match action. Um, what would happen if that changed? Um, why doesn't it happen if if ice hockey players can focus? Um, for oh god, I can't remember how long an ice hockey match is now. Um, uh, apologies, Andy, if, I, if if he does listen, but um, <laughs> I why why can't a footballer ignore a tannoy um, for for ninety minutes? It's just things like that. Mm. It's just challenging the norm a little bit, um, and I think football can definitely learn um, little things like that. And I know that that some clubs it is happening, and I see quite often that um, Saint Mirren. I think they have a very good relationship with Brayhead Clan. Um, and, and they kind of learn things from each other and I see St Moon kind of introducing little things um, during I think it's half time in the Brayhead Clan games they have a thing called Chuck a Puck um, which is where you you can purchase a kind of foam puck before the match and at half time you throw it onto the, 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 the rink um, and well something happens and somebody wins a prize 
Um, it's just simple things like that. We, and obviously that's sponsored as well. We, we've um, adopted the same thing at, at Wraith Rovers. It's Rory's south stand shot. So Rory Rover's the mascot and he stands inside yep. a hula hoop. Kids buy a, a foam football for a pound before the match. It's numbered. They chuck it in the nearest one to Rory. Gets, a, I think it's a, an activity voucher to, to clean and clay, something like that. And we, yep. learnt, we learnt that from Five Flyers. They have the exact yeah, same exactly. thing as Brayhead. Chuck a, chuck a puck. And one of, one of our, our guys uh, had been there and said, this is fantastic. It's a great experience for kids coming along to, to ice hockey. We should we should do some of this. So shamelessly nicked the idea. <laughs> well, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and I, I think, well, obviously coming back to the kind of original question on the landscape of Scottish uh, football marketing in the moment, we've seen Motherwell this week nick a very successful idea yeah. and it absolutely blowing up. Um, the team over there obviously spotted... Uh, Manchester United's Alexis Sanchez announcement and they've got a mass amount of coverage yeah. from just a simple one and a half minute video which obviously took longer to, to put together and the team did a great job in doing that on a on a very quick turnaround um, uh, I believe so look, look at what's happened from that yeah. um, it's, yeah. it's just huge it was, it was amazing, actually. I, I saw the Motherwell one first, and I thought, what on earth is this? <laughs> they've, they've signed a player called Pete. And he's like, what? And I saw the video, and then I, I didn't get the reference at all. And then somebody somebody mentioned it to me. It's the, it was the, the parody of the Man United one. Then I watched the, I watched the Alexis one, and I, I, was, in, I was in stitches. Uh, I was in fits of laughter watching it. It's just so well done. Even the facial expressions and every little detail yeah. in the Alexis video they picked up and, and replicated. It's brilliant. I did. Uh, it was enjoyable. I think in some cases, I am often quite vocal in that we shouldn't really be looking down south too much for for um, to compare ourselves down to our very rich um, and very resource uh, led and le- very resource led neighbours. Um, but in in this instance, I was willing to let that go and uh, <laughs> very very much enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. In the going back to the 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 Brayhead clan, I mean, do you, would you? almost look at the obviously ice hockey doesn't have nearly the cultural significance of, of football in, in Scotland and so the, but their growth in the last few years has been quite remarkable it's it, been huge yeah, yeah. In, in the article you talk about four businesses outside of sport uh, Skyscanner the Leaf Agency FanDuel and BrewDog um, would you kind of say Brayhead Clan are all a, kind of a, a sports example of, of adopting that kind of startup thinking yeah, I think it, it it is a really good kind of analogy to make. Um, they've they've come in and kind of disrupted things a little bit, um, which is what those four uh, kind of I was going to say agencies, but obviously Leaf Agency is the only one that is actually an agency. But those four businesses have have done that, um, and and disrupting is is a big part of kind of the growth mindset and, and acting like a startup as well. So Brayhead Clan have definitely done that. If you, as you say, they've they've grown astronomically over the last few years and, and they now get higher average attendances than, again, coming back to what we've discussed previously, some of the over 100-year-old football clubs. Um, and again, it is, it is down to so many of the values that they, they promote on, uh, on a regular basis in terms of um, enlightening fans, uh, delighting them when they come to the match, uh, kind of engaging with them, and just a general good night out, which is what it was when I attended. And I've not been back since, but I, I really, um, I do want to go back um, because it, it 
kind of hooks you in mm. a little mm. bit as well. You you really enjoy it. Uh, you can sit there with a beer, um, mm. which obviously mm. gets uh, discussed quite regularly as well in, in a football sense. Um, and you can just enjoy some fast-paced, quite exciting match action as well as slyly and kind of not without noticing being marketed to on a, on a regular basis mm. as well with all the mm. commercial commercial deals they've got uh, set up yeah mm. what well, i was reading uh, when saturday comes um this week and they were talking a lot about the the recent price of football bbc survey um yeah and the fact that young people um are sort of increasingly being priced out of of scottish football uh, sorry not necessarily scottish football just football in the uk um but then also the sort of rise of things like fifa and other you know competing factors that drawing young people in what what kind of things should clubs be considering to um address that and to to bring these young people into the games yeah uh, i think it's a it's a huge um thing and and something that is becoming even more prevalent um, we've seen, I think Hibs were potentially the first Scottish club to sign up a, an esports player, mm-hmm. um, and he competes um, basically under the Hibs banner in, in esports um, competitions. Uh, I think it is mainly FIFA, um, which is obviously doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is huge, and it's a huge threat actually to to the traditional sense of, of football in, in general, and not just Scottish football. Um, it, it threatens quite a lot of things. Obviously, participation being one of them. Um, people are are less likely to to actually start playing football at a younger age because they're actually more ha- more happier just either sitting in their own houses playing FIFA or actually, which is becoming even more popular, just watching somebody else play FIFA mm-hmm. or, on YouTube or or Twitch, um, which is a streaming service. Um, again, alongside that, you've obviously got people choosing to do those things but then not attend live football as well so people are making those conscious choices to not spend money going to live football matches because they're they just don't want to anymore they don't see the value in it um and they're not being attracted um in in those senses and and yeah like you say as well there it's 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 affecting club support as well and, and clubs need to to start looking into what they can do in that sense. And I think that's something that obviously a lot of clubs across Europe now have, have signed up eSports players and, and things like that. But I think there's a long way to go still as well. Mm. Um, and it is something that I've, I've looked at um, on the website a little bit too. Um, we had a guest post um, from a, a chap who has started doing a lot with the Scottish Lowland League football clubs Um uh, his name escapes me. Is for but his uh, his Twitter handle is um, Moza Gaming, mm. um, and yeah, he's he's a very big advocate of the of the Lowland leagues um, at the moment, and he's doing a lot to to promote them. Um, and and one of those things is clubs going into partnerships with with people who are creating content. Um, as I said before, on uh, on FIFA or on Football Manager, um, because thousands of people are watching those on a regular basis mm-hmm. and if the person they're watching is that playing as that club could be spartans could even be celtic fat like fans are, are fickle um and, and and they're becoming even more uh, fickle um and they might be influenced uh, potentially by a shirt um at a, at a 
kind of initial stage and it could lead on to them becoming a long-term fan mm-hmm. almost yeah. um, which is the the thing that needs to start being looked at i think you mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago you know uh, looking outside of scotland uh, clubs across europe having these tie-ins with uh, the um you know the the, the the gamers. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what other aspects of the marketing approach outside of Scotland do you look at? You think that we could learn from? Is there any country that's that's really cracked this? That's that has a startup mentality in the way they market all aspects of football. Well, I think the and I, I said it two years ago. Well, a year and a bit ago at the the annual convention as well when I, I got asked a very similar question, and I think the answer to that is MLS, um, okay. Major League Soccer in America. Um, and it will come as no surprise to, to people that follow any American sport that they've got it absolutely nailed. Um, it's it's just so professional in the way that they do things. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a different landscape of things. It's quite similar to Brayhead Clan in terms of them having a little bit a little bit less history behind them to be able to actually just shape what they want to do mm-hmm. and not have anything challenging that. Um, in terms of the culture um, or the history around things. Um, and you've seen that this week in terms of Leeds United's um, attempted mm. badge. Um, I'm not sure if either of you <laughs> yeah. saw that at all. But, yeah, um, United. Huge, huge backlash to yeah. that attempt at, at uh, kind of editing and, and changing Leeds United's um, club crest. So um, the- MLS has doesn't have that same... Uh, hundred plus years of history behind it so mm. they can act a little bit less traditionally um and it's but obviously it's a huge operation as well i think um duncan maybe mentioned it last week or, or he's mentioned it um previously on in things that he's written um but they've they've got all uh, potentially a hundred plus operation um across the, yeah. the mls clubs um which is obviously dwarfs uh, anything to do with Scottish football, even Celtic or Rangers in that respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you mentioned the, the Leeds uh, badge issue there, um, I've got a certain amount of sympathy for Leeds, despite my really? what, what, I, what I think <laughs> of the design of the, the design of the badge. You, you you think you know this? The petition went up within hours of it being released, and it had seventy five thousand, uh, I think, uh, uh, signatures on the petition. And I I do question how many people, how many of those seventy five thousand actually really cared. Uh, it's very easy to, to, to sign a petition say you object to something. I was listening to a podcast this morning where they were talking about this and they mentioned those numbers and, and speculated that you know a couple of hours later the, the numbers were probably in their millions. Um, is it, I didn't think it was a very well-designed badge, but it's almost... People people don't like change. People will object to any any you know sign that, that heritage and, and, the, and, the, and the history isn't being preserved. And, mm. uh, and as, as you've said, said earlier, you know, you know, it's always been this way, so it should always be this way. It was, um, it was a terrible badge. It's a terrible badge. <laughs> it's it United, man. But but it's not. It's not like they've always had the same badge. No, um, they, no they, they're no. always changing their badge. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the thing that I saw that quite links in to what I just said was that somebody had put it up against uh, the whole host of MLS mm. uh, team badges. And it fits in perfectly, right? Um, right. Which is very interesting, and, and kind of links back to what I just said, said there in terms of um, it being a little bit more a, a nod, a more of a nod towards the commercial aspect of yeah. things, 
um, and be it being less traditional. I keep saying traditional, but it's it's probably going to be uh-huh. the focus of the. Uh, it's a huge, it's a huge thing yeah. in Scottish or and Scottish football Absol- and, Engl- and English football even as well. Absolutely, and I and I was, I've I've been wrestling with this as well because I I'm very much um, in your camp, Chris. In terms of I think clubs do need to be a bit more innovative in terms of how they approach getting more fans through the gate and how we, you know, um, make Scottish football a success for everyone. Um, but I was thinking about this idea of identity as well and what it is. Because at the end of the day, lots of clubs are very similar in, in many different respects. And what, But a fan doesn't want to hear that. A fan wants to know that their club is special in some way, don't they? Mm-hmm. And that they there's something unique about them, something unique about that club that makes them different from other clubs, I think. And, you know, clubs do change their managers, their players, you know, almost on an annual basis. They can change their stadium and they can change their, their crests as well. And they can change their name almost. So, the colour of their shirts colors of their shirts you're getting to the point almost where everything is different and i think you know for fans just want to have that sense of this is this is about the background of where my club came from the history Mm -hmm. of where it came from and and why i kind of have an identity with them or an affinity with them so i do um have a lot of sympathy as you say there alan i agree that i have sympathy for anyone that has the the uh the challenge of trying to market a club um because fans are always going to want to hold some element of, you know, heritage. Yeah, there's the the whole uh, against modern football movement, a lot of which I agree with. Um, but I, I think it's it's dangerous if if you if that's your guiding principle that anything that changes is bad and is a threat. Um, I think you need to be able to to kind of intelligently sift through the changes that are helpful and the changes um, that are a little bit unhelpful or window dressing or or disrespectful of the past or, or, or whatever whatever it is um, I, I think of think of things that have been tried in, in, in grounds that I've been at um, a lot of them at Wraith Rovers but you know away grounds that I've been to uh, and the kind of innovative things um, I think it was Livingston used to have cheerleaders um, and people would just sort of cringe at the idea that, that, that something new was being done well not cheerleaders it's you know, it's either that or, or looking at an empty pitch at, at halftime. And then somebody said to me, oh, I just want to enjoy my Bovril. I said, you can still enjoy your Bovril. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, there's, there's, a, there's, there's that sense people just don't like it being any different than it's always been. And it feels, feels like the, the sport's changed and their club has changed. Um, but there, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a need to, there's a need to move and to innovate and to do things differently. Uh, if we're to reverse the trends of falling attendances and and everything else that we that we think may be wrong with our game, yeah, I think it, it kind of comes down to something that I um, well, it's, it's it was George Francis who works at Partick Thistle that I was speaking to for the website, and and he brought up that the oh, Partick Thistle obviously have a very popular and very successful um, kind of youth fan initiative as well, and I was going to make the point there of sometimes you potentially might have to do things that make traditional fans unhappy mm-hmm. to try and find the fan of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, because, yeah, as well, I think we've seen quite um, quite a rise in average attendance for this season, but still, um, attendances, people still have it in their minds of when Scottish football was getting tens of thousands of uh, fans through the gates every week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case anymore in a lot of cases um, in a lot of clubs so what are the clubs doing to to attract young fans through the gates and turn them into the fans that are going to buy season tickets when they're in their 20s and and going to pass on their support of the club to their own children when they're in their 30s and their 40s 
Um, these are the things that, that clubs need to start thinking about. Um, and some of them are, um, but quite a few maybe aren't. I've mentioned the previous episodes of the, of the podcast, and I'm always going on about Wraith Rovers, so people are probably bored of me saying it. But, um, did you support the, Wraith Rovers? <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did, we did some work um, uh, so, uh, quite a few years ago that was really looking at, you know, so what's the, what's the typical lifestyle, life cycle of a, of a fan? When do people typically start watching football? When are the potential drop-off points in their, in their, in their life cycle? Uh, and it and it led to us focusing our attention on so how do we how do we do exactly what you just said, uh, Chris? How do we get the next generation of of, uh, of fans in through the door? And, and you know, when you ask people, you know, when they started watching uh, football or when they or when they started following their club, you know, people more people than than not say when they were a primary school kid, you know, between the ages of maybe seven and and twelve, something like that, when they went to their first games and got really really passionate about it. So all of our all of our energy at Wraith Overs is about uh, trying to get more of that age group through the turnstiles, and they don't, it doesn't bring a lot of money into the club uh, initially, uh, because the ticket prices are cheaper. But they all come with an adult, so if you get a if you get a, a kid nagging their mum or their dad to take them to the football uh, on a on a weekend, you know that adult is paying to get in as well. And I know a few fans exactly, who, yeah. who are fans of Wraith Rovers because they've been dragged along by their kid. Um, so it's it's actually it's actually a nice little dynamic that you've got there. Um, that that's, yeah. that's one of the ways we're kind of regenerating our support. Um, Definitely, it's just it's just little outreach things like that, um, which sometimes um, don't really get thought of and, and don't really get actioned. Um, very similar to what you've just said in, in the Wraith Rovers example. I'm I'm originally from Lithgow, um, and obviously having not having a professional team um, and the closest one kind of being in West Lothian, Livingston. Um, when I was growing up at, at primary school, they used to hand out free tickets um, to, the, to the primary school kids. And, and like you just said, we'd go home with this free ticket and it's obviously just our ticket, um, <laughs> but we need an adult to take us. Uh, and the adult is, is paying full price at the at the gate when they're, when they're bringing um, all, the, all the school kids through. And at Livingston, um, it was quite popular. Um, Back in back in the kind of late nineties, yeah. which obviously will reveal my age a little bit. I'm I'm quite a bit younger, um, so um, yeah, I think that it's just little things like that, and and that was back then. Um, but what's happening now? Obviously, your wraith example is a little bit um, more recent, um, but but do more clubs do things like that? Not entirely sure. Mm. Yeah, just going back to your article. You then talk about data collection, which is something we spoke a lot about with Duncan on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. And uh, the fact that, you know, more clubs should be um, collecting data on their supporters. Um, but the fact that it could be better harnessed as well. And you had a couple of suggestions in, in the piece. Perhaps you could just run through them. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously... If you don't have much experience in this field, um, it can be quite a tricky one. Mm. Um, and quite a lot of the solutions um, cost money, um, which I know is something that is uh, lacking um, quite a bit within Scottish sport and within Scottish football. Um, but the clubs, or quite a lot of clubs, obviously do use um, kind of ticket solutions and, and buying tickets online and, and being able to, to purchase in advance and and they do collect some data um for about about, about their fans that are, that are buying tickets but but what are they 
doing with that data? Are they then using it in, in some way? Um, I know that some clubs do use email marketing and, and I've signed up to a few of them and I, I get them on a regular basis and, and just to see what's going on. But um, there's a lot of clubs that have no idea mm-hmm. who the fans are that are coming through the turnstiles um, on a weekly basis. And to me, if you're thinking about it in a traditional business sense, that's quite criminal. Yeah. Um, you, you would you, you want to have at least some idea of of uh, a cross section of who your fans are, um, so you can build up a little bit of a database. You can, I don't know, uh, uh, like the basic starting point, which I, which I outline in the article, is just to collect a name and an email address. Perhaps um, it's a tiny little start maybe even throw in their home address in there too um, so you know kind of what area of the town, what area of the city they're living in. You can then start to open up a bit of a dialogue with them um, in terms of uh, perhaps turn them into buying a half-season ticket, which turns into a full-season ticket the next season, which turns into them potentially coming for hospitality one match, bringing a few friends along. Um, it's just little things like that that um, building a, a building a profile um, of your fans um, just so you can even just upsell certain things like before Christmas ping them a little link to the to the store um, because they might fancy I don't know they might fancy a, a green and white gnome for example for the back garden um, something that is going to make you a little bit of money or a little bit of extra money a little bit of extra revenue. Um, from a fan that perhaps has only come to one match, but you've still got that data on them. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a really big thing that uh, should be something that more clubs are doing. But I know that in a lot of cases, resource comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what I really liked in your article, you talked about um, I think you called it small scale testing uh, of, yeah. of different different ideas, and it's actually it, it really intrigued me. I've heard the idea, but not in football. Uh, and I think the that reluctance of doing anything different that clubs have is they think, oh well, we've got we've got five thousand fans, we need to offer this to every one of them. Uh, so your idea in your article was saying, no, actually, you know, take take for example two two alternative offers and take a small sample of each. And just you know, see how each one lands. Learn, learn what works, what doesn't work, uh, and continually sort of adjust your offers and adjust what what you're, how how you're reaching out to uh, potential potential supporters, potential customers. Really, yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing um, in terms of our, our day job here and, and acting um, like a startup and, and uh, kind of having that growth mentality. Um, testing, we we test everything. Um, we can't things aren't kind of classed as business as usual um even things like messaging in our ad copy for um if you're searching on google for example for for a flight um that's been rigorously tested um and when it's um been proven to be um significant and and a, a very good performing ad copy it then gets rolled out to to more people yeah. um with the ultimate aim of obviously having that as the norm in terms of how we communicate to people so why why can't that happen in football as well yeah. um so ev- ev- say, ev- everyone sees a different ad and then you're really understanding how many times the ad gets clicked yeah it doesn't yeah. even need to be everybody it can just be a, a case of splitting things in two having yeah. two different versions um comparing them up against each other uh did, did saying buy a ticket perform better than uh, do you want to buy a ticket 
yeah. think things like that just yeah. um having a little having a little think about it taking a little step back and and seeing what you can do to improve performance and ultimately gain a little bit more money um, for the club that you're working for mm-hmm. the, the the last part of the piece is really once you've done that um, small scale testing learning from it and and actually also um share it which was quite a brave suggestion i think in terms of um uh, clubs being willing to share that kind of level of information obviously your website's all about kind of sharing best practice and and, and those successes um yeah do you think that uh, clubs would would go for that um i'm not sure on that one um but i'd, I'd really like to hope so yeah um obviously andrew the day we met um greg Mailer, um, who was uh, at Hibs at the time, took us through Hibs's brilliant um, Scottish Cup tour mm. um, that they, they took around the country. That's right. And that opens eyes. Um, that shows other people in the room, other clubs, what can be done um, and the kind of power of, of doing it. Mm. And I know that, yes, I think I say on, on, in the piece that um, club, uh, clubs are more than welcome to have rivalries on the pitch. Um, but if they come together and share best practice, um, it's only going to improve Scottish football as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of clubs kind of ramp up things. Um, Kamarnock being one of them with it, with Scott McClymouth from STV moving there mm-hmm. um, over the last few months. And, and Grant Russell, obviously, who I've, I've spoken to when he was at STV as well, um, moving to Motherwell. Those two clubs are, are good examples of things, of, of clubs that are kind of ramping up that side of things now and, and uh, doing things a little bit differently. Um, but, uh, and this is just me purely speculating, but um, the guys obviously work together um, in the same office, so I'm sure they have a chat about what works, what doesn't work, mm. um, what ideas they've got, what can be shared between the clubs. Uh, it's only going to improve things off the pitch. Um, and if things improve off the pitch, which sometimes gets forgotten about, things might improve on them as well. Um, if clubs are making more money, then you might be able to buy a, a better standard of player. You just you don't know until you try. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into the kind of the last segment here, one thing that we've started asking, which I didn't appreciate, we've completely ripped off from yourself. But <laughs> Earlier in the podcast, you well, said I didn't that. Po- I didn't want to point it out publicly. But <laughs> as as got, oh, yeah. To be fair, earlier in the podcast, you said that was okay. So yeah, it, yeah. I'm, I'm entirely all right with it. I'm more than happy for <laughs> to listen to. I'm more than happy to listen to everybody's opinion on this. So yeah, good. Okay, with that then in mind, um, if you could do one thing to improve Scottish football, what would it be? And would it be the the kind of the startup uh, mindset? I mean, I think that's a very big part of it but I think it's a very big ask um, we've obviously gone through it extensively over the last 20-30 minutes so I, I might go for something different mm. if that's okay Of course. Um, as you said obviously I do ask quite a lot of people this and the answers vary and some of them are quite similar but um, we get a lot of variation so my one is I would really like to see, it kind of comes back to what I was saying about um, Major League Soccer in America. Um, and they, as a entity, have a, a little bit more of a centralised approach um, where certain clubs can maybe tap into 
a resource that is held centrally to help them out with something. Um, and that would be my thing for Scottish football. Um, and I know we have a little bit of uh, confusion around the, the governance um, at times of Scottish football, but the SPFL as a whole um, obviously do share wealth amongst the clubs and they, they should continue to do so. But if the SPFL had a little bit of extra resource centrally, why a, a club such as, I don't know, Cowdenbeath in, in League Two or even um, Livingston in, in the Championship, if they needed a little bit of help coming back to, again, another thing we've discussed in terms of collecting data um, on their fans, is there a centralised uh, kind of resource? Is there a centralised pot that they can tap into and say, SPFL, we need, we, we want to do this. Can can you help? And and somebody goes into the club perhaps for for a certain length of time and to work on a project, and then moves back into the the centralised um, kind of structure again. Mm. Um, it's a little bit convoluted and a little bit confusing perhaps, but I would love to see something like that happen just so that. The clubs that perhaps don't have uh, don't have one person in a marketing team or, or a number of people in a marketing team, um, something to help them out so that they can improve things off the pitch and and help better market themselves to more potential fans to get more people through the gates. Mm-hmm. Excellent idea. I love that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take that along with Duncan's idea of a commissioner. Yeah. We're just still all of America's good ideas. I'm all for Duncan's idea, I'm for Duncan's idea as well. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Okay, excellent. And and how can people uh, get in touch with, uh, we, we love the blog, but how can other people follow it? Sure. Um, so the best place to go would be to sportsmarketingscotland.co.uk, um, which will, will take you straight to the blog. Um, the main thing that happens on there is mainly the interviews, um, which we've, we've kind of touched on a little bit. Um, but I, I try and uh, get in touch with people working across the Scottish sports industry, um, mainly in marketing, a little bit in commercial, um, and a little bit in kind of communications and PR as well. Um, speaking to them and and kind of getting their thoughts, opinions on on kind of what they do. Um, so yeah, if you if you like the sound of that, then head to the blog. I also um, have Twitter as well, which is at Sports Market School, so S C O at the end. Because Twitter doesn't allow more characters. <laughs> <laughs> and just to stress that that's uh, it's not just football; it's across Scottish sports. So, no, it's a, also... yeah, across Scottish sport. I've, I've obviously we've talked about Brayhead Clan quite a bit. Um, the next interview going up on the website, uh, shameless plug, will be with um, Jeremy Bone, who works at Glasgow Warriors as well. Okay. Um, another club who who do some really really good stuff and and have grown. Uh, kind of exponentially over the last couple of years as well so um, I'm quite excited about that one too. Great and and uh, just if anyone was keen to sort of dip their toe in the water with the blog what's the best interview that you've done that they could go check out? Oh that's it's like choosing between your favourite children almost. <laughs> Everybody's um, got a favourite though. <laughs> I really so to start things off I, I mean it, it probably I would have to go back to the start and the first person I spoke to um, I was actually before I set up the website um, was was Greg Miller mm-hmm. um, who's who helped me out massively um, and it was actually from speaking to him that I had the idea um, of focusing on the niche within a niche that is Scottish sports marketing mm-hmm. um, so yeah um, that was the first one that went on the website and it was it was a, a great chat Greg had obviously come from um, the kind of 
continental uh, background at working at UEFA um, to come into Hibs at a, a very difficult time um, for the club when they when they just been relegated um, and did remarkable things there and has obviously now moved on to the SFA. So, um, yeah, I think Greg's one would probably be the first and, and my favourite so far. Good, we'll check that out. Absolutely. A fine choice. Thank you very much for joining us, Chris. Much appreciated. No problem. Good really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All the best. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. So that's episode seven in the can there. Thanks very much to Chris for giving up his time to uh, to talking to us about a lot of his work and his thoughts on improving Scottish football. Yeah, it was a, a good a good chat and really appreciate Chris giving up uh, the early part of his Friday evening um, to talk to us. Yes. He was escaping from an office move. Um, yes. So I, I don't think it was a, a, a purely selfless act. Um, but a great, a great chat and hope you enjoy that one. Absolutely. If you've got questions about that, want to find out more, um, reach out to Chris on Twitter, follow his blog. Um, but also give us a shout as well. Let us know what you thought about that, that episode, if there's any things in particular you'd like us to follow up and do more in-depth um, uh, pieces uh, about. So you can get hold of us or by email, behindthegoals at hotmail.com and uh, via the Supporters Direct Scotland Twitter account, which is SUP, S-U-P-P, Direct Scott. Absolutely. Um, love any engagement, really, I think, uh the numbers so far have been well received for the podcast really i think this is it's, it's a lot of fun to do but i think for me certainly i can't speak on behalf of yourself alan <laughs> but one of the beauties of this is much like chris's blog actually which is about collating a lot of good stuff that's happening and getting an understanding of what's going on in scottish sport and, and putting out there um in the hope that we can improve the, the national game really absolutely um i think uh, it's bringing bringing different perspectives into the conversation yeah, yeah. Uh, other than you know what our, our background in sports direct scotland's background has been about fan ownership but um, we're touching on a lot of other topics as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've had the Foundation of Hearts episode and the Smice episode, which are about you know f- supporter ownership. Um, but we're touching other areas as well that are improving the experience for fans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 been great hearing these hearing these voices and exploring these these topics with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and uh, we'll be returning to a big issue next week. Uh, in that, we'll be talking about the cult teams in Scottish football. Something that's sort of reared its head again this week um, yeah, it seems to keep on rearing its head and going away and coming back again I think, I think it may do until, uh, <laughs> until it happens but um, we will be having a more in-depth conversation with uh, Colin Patterson who's worked with us in the past and doing a consultation into the issue so we're going to be exploring it in more depth next week um, rather than a kind of a brief uh, five minute segment there so uh, looking forward to having Colin on the podcast yeah until then though enjoy your football yep <laughs> all okay. the best Thank you.